Colossians 2, verses 6 through 12. So then, just as you received Christ Jesus as Lord, continue to live your lives in him, rooted and built up in him, strengthened in the faith as you were taught, and overflowing with thankfulness. See to it that no one takes you captive through hollow and deceptive philosophy, which depends on human tradition and the elemental spiritual forces of this world rather than on Christ. For in Christ, all the fullness of the deity lives in bodily form. And in Christ, you have been brought to fullness. He is the head over every power and authority. In him, you were also circumcised with a circumcision not performed by human hands. Your whole self ruled by the flesh was put off when you were circumcised by Christ, having been buried with him in baptism, in which you were also raised with him through your faith in the working of God, who raised him from the dead. This is the word of the Lord. Good morning, everybody. How's it going? Good morning. I'm excited to be with you guys today. Um, if we haven't met yet, I'm Aaliyah Persley. I'm one of the pastors here, like Evan said. Um, and just a little bit of background. My husband and I had the joy of moving to San Diego. Now it's been almost six years. Um, and we were able to be a part of the team that helped plant Park Hill. You guys, it's been one of the joys of our life. This city and this church have become our family and our home, and I'm blown away by what the Spirit is doing through you guys. So we're just two months in. We're in February, and I can't believe what God is doing um, already in 2023. So praying together, like seeking the Spirit on Seek First Sunday when we come together and pray and we worship, um, and doing bread together, you guys, there is something powerful about reading the scripture all together. Uh, if you haven't jumped on yet, jump on. The PDF is online or you can still grab a journal. But going through scripture and being able to talk about the same thing that we're reading with each other um, week in and week out has been so encouraging to my soul. And then the other thing is house of learning. I don't know if you guys sense it, but there is this hunger for knowing God deeply. I can feel it. And, there, and so many of you came out to House of Learning last month. It was incredible. And the conversations around the table were rich. So I'm really looking forward to next week with Brian Loritz. If you haven't signed up, do it. I can't wait to see what God does with all of these things the Spirit is moving in this year. And the series that we're in. So right now we're in the book of Colossians. And Colossians was a young church. And at the time Paul wrote this letter, they were still figuring out their identity. It's kind of like us. Um, when they're wrestling with culture and they're struggling, they're really struggling to become the flourishing and mature body of Christ. That's where they're at. So in the text today, the Apostle Paul gives the weighty task, you guys, of not being taken captive by anti-Christian ideas, but instead living in the security that we have in Jesus. It's kind of heavy to be called to maturity, but when you hear that word security in Jesus, there's this freedom there, and that's really what we're talking about today. So would you pray with me? I just want to invite the Spirit to work. This is what he does. Holy Spirit, you are good. We believe that you speak through your word. Would you do it today? Would you speak to us security, and would that propel us forward to be mature followers of you that flourish here? Thank you that that's what you have for us. Amen. So we're actually going to start in the middle of our text today, kind of weird, because I just like to be annoying, and maybe it'll help you follow along better. I don't know. But 
I want to start. Paul is really beating this drum to not be taken captive. And then we're going to look at the end. I kind of want to finish with the beginning and the end of our text that's really speaking truth and identity and comfort and security. So here we are. Verse 8, just as a refresher. See to it that no one takes you captive through hollow and deceptive philosophy, which depends on human tradition and the elemental spiritual forces of this world rather than on Christ. So it's maturity and security. This is what Paul is calling the church in Colossians to live out. I know it sounds repetitive, but you guys, we need these reminders. So maturity. Paul can see that this church, and Jesus has so much more for them. And as a church in 2023, we face a lot of these same hurdles that this church faces. So in a lot of ways, our culture looks different. We have the benefit, you guys, of standing on 2,000 years of church history. It's messy, but we are standing on it, and it is beautiful. We have advancements that have made life longer, and it's made life more efficient. And we share, but what we do share in common with the church in Colossae is just like them, there are things that are taking us captive. And as we're waiting for Jesus, there's this tension, you guys, of being this flourishing, uh, called to cultivate and bear God's image in the world. Like, this is who we are. We are called to bear God's image and make beauty. And we wrestle with what scripture calls the flesh or sin. So we're holding this tension. So in this day of this young church, the Colossians, uh, Paul is warning them to not be taken captive by hollow ideologies and philosophies. Without context, this might just seem like the only thing Paul's asking them to do is personally reject things in culture that don't align with Jesus. That's pretty basic Christianity. Follow the way of Jesus, reject things that don't align with him. That is true, but it's actually so much more complicated than that. The Colossians didn't just adopt hollow philosophies, but rather it was the cultural expectation. So in this society, there were many gods, and it was expected by Caesar and the rulers of the day that all would fall in line with the worship of these gods. So if there was a drought, or if there was a famine or a plague, or even if there was a really big harvest, This would have been attributed to the gods of the time. So if you chose not to show up or give sacrifice to these many gods, you better bet your neighbor would notice. Because in their mind, you were the reason the gods would be angry and withhold from them. So the Colossians were Gentiles, and what this meant was that they're not Jews. And so this concept of serving one God as Lord would have been foreign Adding Jesus to their worship of many gods would have felt like it made sense, like this is something we can do. We can add Jesus in with everything else. But making him the one and only Lord of their life would have not only felt foreign, but it would have had a negative impact on their relationships and their status as citizens. So Paul's writing this letter from prison. And I think he emphasizes that on purpose, what he's calling them to. He's calling them into suffering, but he's saying, I'm experiencing an extreme version of what I'm asking you to do. So Jesus also warned of this. He promises life to the full. We hear that a lot. Jesus promises life to the full, and it's true. But sometimes it looks different than we think it should. 
And you guys, this last year, I've had an odd comfort from another one of the words that Jesus gave. He says, in this life, you will have trouble. And there's something about that that Jesus knew. Jesus isn't surprised that life here on earth is hard. In fact, that's why he came. He knows that as we wait for the kingdom, it's bound to be messy. And he frames it like this. Take up your cross and follow me. And there's something so beautiful about a savior that went before us carrying the cross. I'm sorry, I'm always jumping to communion. We're gonna stick with Colossians for now. So, for the Colossians, staying rooted looked like leaving the philosophy that separated them from God. And following Jesus came at a great cost. So often for us, our culture and the water we're swimming in is some things that we're unaware of. We don't always know what the culture is. So this is an interesting one. When we moved to San Diego almost six years ago, we felt like we had moved to the Bible Belt. And I know that sounds crazy, but Portland is so vastly different and opposed to Jesus that when we moved here and people would ask us, hey, what, like, why'd you move here? We'd say, ah, we're planting a church. We just kind of brace ourselves, and they're like, oh, that's so cool. I used to go to church. Jesus is awesome. We're like, okay, that's great. Good. I'm glad. Yeah, you should go again. And they're like, yeah, maybe I will. It was so easy. But what we quickly realized was the culture in San Diego is so much more similar to the church in Colossae. It's easy to add Jesus in, but he's not Lord. And that's harder, actually, you guys. I felt that this culture is actually harder than an anti-Jesus culture. But I think that we're, our America as a whole is moving that way. We're moving toward Jesus is more something to be resisted than to be made Lord. So for us in San Diego, it's not crystals and vibes in Jesus. It's not Buddha and Joe Rogan and Oprah and Jesus. It's just Jesus, just him. And our framework for who Jesus is has to come from the biblical narrative as a whole. It points to Jesus the whole time. That's why we're in bread this year. We wanna know Jesus through and through. We wanna be with him every day so we know who he is. So getting opinions and perspectives, I want to be really clear. It's not bad to get opinions and perspectives from other people, from the world. Um, we don't need to approach the world with cynicism, thinking that Satan's behind every bush. But we do need to test everything against our roots, who Jesus says he is in Scripture. Like, I love TED Talks and Simon Sinek and Brené Brown. They say great things. They're very inspiring. But they have to be attested against the truth of Scripture. So we've been given a sound mind in Christ. This is the good news, you guys. We've been given a sound mind in Christ. When we remain rooted, we get to trust the Holy Spirit to help us decipher the good and the bad of the world's ideologies. We get to chew up the meat and spit out the bones. So what is it for us in San Diego in 2023? What are these tensions that we're facing? So I want to talk about for just a minute what takes us captive versus Jesus' counteroffer. Because generally when Jesus asks us to give something, he gives us life to the full. This is what he's talking about. So maybe it's the love of money and status. You guys, Californians drive really nice cars. 
But Jesus counters with radical self-sacrificial generosity. Honestly, this sacrificial generosity elevates the poor and the orphan. That's what we're talking about today. We've launched the RFK campaign and we're saying we want to be people who are generous and care for children in foster care. We say it in the generosity liturgy, to spend everything on myself and to give without sacrifice is the way of the world. Now we're choosing Jesus and that's gonna be hard. Maybe it's just the distraction of being owned by digital information and entertainment. I have this image sometimes when I think I've lost my phone and it's in my pocket. You guys have seen Lord of the Rings. You know in, uh, oh my gosh, Bilbo goes, oh, where's the ring? And he goes, oh wait, it's here in my pocket. I think that every time I think I've lost my phone and it's on me because I'm so attached to it, I don't even remember where I put it. And usually it's with me. We're so attached to this information, but Jesus counters for us right now in 2023 with Sabbath. He says, disconnect, disconnect. get this deep soul rest where we commune with the living, living God intentionally. We put away all the noise and we trust the Lord. Maybe it's the overindulgence in food and drink and sex and all the other desires that come with having access to everything in San Diego. Jesus counters with fasting. We have a week of prayer and fasting coming up, you guys. And I'd encourage you, whatever that looks like, enter into it and trust that God wants to do something. Because when we fast, it's an act that acknowledges that apart from God, nothing can satisfy. Maybe it's, maybe it's our desire just to be self-sufficient and independent. I'm really guilty of this one, but Jesus counters and he gives us a call to be known by him and to be known by one another in community. We aren't called to journey alone. Maybe it's the need to find worth from every moment being full with a hurried schedule. Jesus counters with stillness and silence. You guys, these things are so countercultural. There is noise constantly, so much so that we can't hear the voice of the Spirit. So these counter offers that we're talking about here, we often refer to as a rule of life, and they're practices that build our life in Christ. In order to be free from what's taking us captive, we have to become aware of what is taking us captive, and then we have to flip it around, and we have to choose to be rooted in Christ. And then we're strengthened in the way we live. So Paul says in Colossians 2, verse 6, So then, just as you received Jesus as Lord, continue to live your lives in him, rooted and built up in him, strengthened in the faith as you were taught, and overflowing with thankfulness. So I wanted to do this second because we can rush past these encouragements. We can almost see them as like an opener, like, oh yeah, this is who you are in Christ. But we need to pause. This is a big deal. What Paul's doing is he's reminding this young church who they are currently. It's, in the, it's right now. You received Christ Jesus as Lord in the past. He's telling them you already have. You've received him. Now continue. 
So he's being incredibly clear that what he's speaking over them is now and it's active. They have assurance because of the gospel, the good news of Jesus' life, death, and resurrection that gave all of creation the invitation to call on the name of Jesus and be reconciled to God. So they've already received, and he's reminding them of the transformation that took place. He points them to their beginning, where they've come from so that they can know where they need to go. And every time the beginning of transformation for all of us is going to be the gospel. And it's a truth that keeps continuously transforming us. So the gospel's been described by many as water. The gospel is water that a toddler can safely wade in, but it's also a vast pool that an elephant can swim in. It's profound and it is complicated. It demands that we keep returning and considering it. You guys, the gospel is brilliant. There's scholars that have devoted their life's work to understanding and explaining the complexity of God becoming a man to suffer and die and rise again for the sake of redeeming all of creation. It's life's work. But it's also simple enough for a child to grasp. Park Hill kids are learning from like these tiny ages what it means to be loved by God. So Paul reminding them is being a good big brother. He's not going to leave this new church struggling with its identity. He's going to call them higher. There's going to be some tension there when we're called higher. But he reminds them that they're continuously going to mature in their roots. So being built up is where spiritual disciplines or what we often call the practices, come into play. We mature as we practice the way of Jesus. It's an action. So what we know about this church so far is that these people are struggling with worshiping other gods. They're Gentiles and worshiping one God is difficult. And they're having trouble submitting to King Jesus alone. It's new and it's tricky. Surrendering, surrendering to their idols and their gods to follow Jesus alone is in opposition to their old roots. So what Jesus wants to do is he actually wants to uproot us and put us in healthy soil. He wants to make us rooted in him. So some of our old roots can be things like using alcohol to cope or maybe just counting on it for our personality choosing distraction. We already talked about that a little bit. That can be some of our old roots coming back in where we don't want to sit in the silence with God. We'd rather be distracted. Sometimes it's even good things, like being outraged over injustice. It's a good thing. But when we care about issues more than people, we've missed the point. That's from Brian Loretz. I can't take credit. You guys need to come next week and hear him. <laughs> House of Learning is going to be amazing. He's actually going to jump into CRT and CRT alarmism and how it's so easy to do what we're talking about, to lose sight of people and to get distracted by issues. Maybe what we're struggling with uh, is just falling into patterns of isolation. Because honestly, being known takes a lot of work. Maybe it's just that financially, logistically, and emotionally, it makes sense to live together before marriage. But Jesus has more. 
Paul is speaking assurance to people struggling with old roots, and this matters because our propensity is to speak lies over ourselves. The security he's calling them to is in Jesus, and the beginning of the journey of the Christian life begins with just receiving. We love to do this here. Just open your hands, palms up. You don't have to do it now. Maybe later. But we start our gatherings often with just open in a posture of receiving, knowing your roots. Come back to being with Jesus. Romans 5 unpacks this so well for us. It says, But God demonstrates his own love for us, that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. This is the gift we partake in, and it causes us to respond with this whole life posture shift that we call repentance, a new way to live connected and obedient to the Holy Spirit. So when you're in the presence of God, you can't help but experience transformation. You know this feeling. You can't help but worship and have gratitude when you see where you've come from and you know that you've been transformed, the fruit of this is going to be gratitude as you're being built up in Christ. So that's the root, that's security. And now we wanna move, excuse me, we wanna move on to being built up or maturing. So what does this look like? How you order your life or what you're rooted in will produce fruit. When it's in Christ, it's going to be overflowing and this leads to the life that Jesus calls full. So I want you to keep this question in your mind. What does a whole life posture shift look like? We still live here in the city and we still go to restaurants and often we look a lot like everyone else. Or maybe you've done it already. Maybe your life looks mature. And in that maturity, you know there's still ways Jesus is asking you to respond. So I want to share my answer. It's a big yes to both. A lot of my life is postured towards Jesus. I love him. And there's still ways I can, I can sense so strongly this year the Spirit leading me to more. So uniquely, I know honestly that Jesus is asking for my time. He's asking me, this is embarrassing. You can see my immaturity here. He's asking me to go to bed earlier instead of like watching Netflix. He's like, get up and be with me in the morning and exercise and like be ready for your day. So this is what I'm working on. And honestly, some of the hardest moments for me in this season are inviting and remembering to invite the Spirit into the mundane, just doing dishes and saying, Holy Spirit, what do you want to do with this moment? How can I shepherd my kids right now instead of just trying to plow through my tasks that I need to get done? It's hard to remember. So I need, this is what I need, I need God's people to surround me and I need them to tell me where I need to grow and develop a rule of life. I shared with my community, you guys, I feel the spirit wanting to grow me and lead me and I feel him asking for more of me and I don't totally know what that looks like so I'm inviting you to speak into me what you think that is. So this metaphor that Paul is talking about, being rooted and built up comes from Jesus in Matthew chapter 15, and here's what Jesus says. I'm the vine, and my father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit. While every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes so that it will be more fruitful. See, some of this pruning will be giving up habits from our culture. 
or even just desires in ourselves. We don't have to blame culture for everything. But that's how we refuse to be taken captive. This is going to be hard, but Jesus is speaking here, and he is so trustworthy. So Jesus goes on to say, You're already clean because of the word I have spoken to you. Remain in me, and I will remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. I am the vine. You are the branches. If a man remains in me and I in him, he will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. Early teachers of the way of Jesus used this vineyard metaphor, and they followed it to its logical conclusion. If you've ever been to Temecula or Napa, um, or if you're Professor Matt Ruffet, who's from France and actually worked at a vineyard, not all of us can do that, then you know that healthy vineyards have vines and trellises. A vine without a trellis will bear a fraction of what it's capable of. So if it's just on the ground, it's going to be vulnerable to disease and to animals, and it's not going to flourish. But a trellis gives it the structure and the support that it needs to grow in the right direction. This is the heart of what Paul's getting at. Remain in Jesus and build a new way to live. So this trellis that we talk about for the vineyard, it really is the rule of life that we commit to. So when that shift happens, we want to wake up early and pray. We want to read the scriptures. We want to fast and cry out for a move of God in our own lives and in the lives of others. We want to do justice with our time instead of just being distracted. Instead of getting ahead in work, which is very tempting, we take a day to rest and Sabbath and trust that every good thing comes from the Lord. We order our lives in a way that brings us closer to the heart of God through what we do. This is what a life lived in response to the gospel looks like. It is a life of action. Security, we received. Maturity, now we turn it into these trellises that we can grow up in. Paul tells the church, imitate me as I imitate Christ. You guys, I want to say this for a second. Part of our discipleship to Jesus is knowing if you are mature, knowing if you have the practices down. It doesn't have to be perfect, and usually that's part of the maturity. You know it's not perfect, but you do know that you can say similarly to Paul, imitate me as I imitate Christ. It's crazy to me that Paul could say that. He'd say, yeah, go ahead and look at my life. It's an example. But there are people here at Park Hill, actually a lot of you, that are in that space. And it's beautiful to watch you leading and bringing people along with you. Sometimes it's messy, but you're able to say like, yeah, go ahead. I can, I can actually show you how to live. I can show you how to love Jesus. Maybe you're at the place where you know you're mature and you should be leading. Maybe you should lead a community or a serving team or sign up for RFK in the back and serve children in the foster care system. I'm going to say mostly community leading because I'm pastor of community formation and we need more groups, so come and talk to me. That would be great. That's, that's the main one. In all seriousness, though, I am actually blown away by the hunger we're seeing. I know I said it at the beginning, but 
There are so many people reaching out, asking for discipleship and mentorship. And that's beautiful desire. The way that we do that here at Park Hill, we do discipleship in community. Um, we need mature people willing to share their lives as an example. This is how the family of God works. Or maybe you haven't been taking up Jesus on his offer to be rooted in him. If you don't feel you're actively on the journey towards maturity, just say so. Maturity always starts with simply naming that we need more of Jesus and then turning that action into action by the power of the Spirit. It's just raising that white flag. That's all Jesus asks. He's so simple. He says, come and follow me. And then you can. So your first step towards that today can just be to ask for prayer on the side before communion. Or maybe call a friend and let them know, like, hey, I'm ready. I'm ready to just mature in Jesus. Maybe that's receiving him for the first time. But you guys, that can also just be, I have Jesus. Like Paul is telling the Colossians, you have him. Now mature. Maybe it's you just saying, okay, I have him. I'm ready to mature. Verse 9. For in Christ, all the fullness of the deity lives in bodily form. And in Christ, you have been brought to fullness. He's the head over every power and authority. Paul's acknowledging that there are other powers and authorities, but more importantly, he's highlighting the fullness we've been brought to. That's security that we have today, now mature more and more. Jesus, the head over the head over every power and authority, there's nothing to fear, gives us what many have called the upside-down kingdom. So in the beginning, we're talking about how Caesar expected them to worship gods to bring abundance, but instead, Jesus flips it upside down, and he comes as this suffering servant. Where power looks like giving it away, where the least of these become the greatest, where in our weakness, he is strong where an all-powerful God laid down his life as a sacrifice. Following Jesus, it really only makes sense if you're rooted in him. And so the scripture, the words of the word, are just about how to live, aren't just about how to live well, but they're actually also how, about how to die well. I want to say that again because I'm fumbling a bit. The words here, they're not just about how to live well, but they're actually about how to die well. Baptism puts both in Christ. So for our last section here, Colossians 2, 11 through 12, it says, In him you were also circumcised with a circumcision not performed by human hands. Your whole self ruled by the flesh was put off when you were circumcised by Christ. Having been buried with him in baptism, in which you were also raised with him, through your faith in the working of God who raised him from the dead. Every first Sunday of the month right here in this room, we stand as the family of God and we cheer on those following Jesus into the waters of baptism. It's so beautiful. In Jesus' life and ministry, the time God chose to part the heavens and say, this is my son whom I love, with whom I am well pleased, was when he was baptized. 
It is amazing to me that that's when God chose to do it. He could have done it when Jesus turned water into wine. He could have done it when Jesus raised people from the dead, but he did it when Jesus followed this just active obedience into the waters of baptism. Romans 6 puts it like this, Therefore we've been buried with him through baptism into death, so that in Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, so we too might walk in newness of life. In baptism, you guys, we're brought into Jesus' death and we're raised up in his resurrection. And then we live this kind of constant practicing of that resurrection, the life. So there's really two kind of implications for us, Park Hill, today. If you haven't followed Jesus into the waters of baptism, the first Sunday of March will be here, and I'd invite you to do it. Follow Jesus. Be rooted in him and then mature and flourish with your family. And the second one really is for those who have been baptized, you have assurance. I want to say it again. For those who have been baptized, for those who are rooted in Jesus, you have assurance. This is actually why at Park Hill we don't re-baptize, because these roots are in Jesus. Instead, we come to the table as Jesus commanded to remember him. We remember our baptism every Sunday when we take the bread and the cup. We remember his death and his resurrection, that this is what we're standing on. We have the fullness of Christ because we're in Christ, and now we get the joy of maturing toward him. A long obedience in the same direction is what Eugene Peterson calls it. So in a few minutes, we're going to come to the table. But, but two last thoughts. I love things put simply. I love to just follow a plan. So I want to leave you with Paul's recipe for maturity. Number one, just as you received Christ, continue. There's some peace there. It's not overcomplicated. Just remember your gospel identity. Number two, be rooted. Have a trellis. You guys, what is it? Some kind of a rule of life. If you've never had a rule of life before, you don't need to tackle everything all at once. I would suggest start with scripture. Jump on this, this bread train with us that we're doing. There's people here. You can talk to them about it. A lot of people are doing it. Just start in the scriptures, and I promise it'll grow from there. Number three, be strengthened through teaching, doctrine. Come Sunday, around the bread and the cup, around the doctrine, it's a gift to know Jesus and who he says he is through scripture. <coughs> and last, we practice gratitude. I think this starts in our car, <laughs> that's the truth. I think this starts just sitting for one extra minute, maybe 30 seconds when you get home or when you get to your destination and just saying, God, thank you for the air in my lungs. I acknowledge you. It can start so small and then it can turn, your whole posture just starts to shift.
And the second thing I want to do is I just want to read the truth of Hebrews chapter 12, verses 1 through 3 over us today as we enter into worship again and as we pray and come to the table. This is the part of the gathering that that we want to point to. We want to point to Jesus' death and resurrection and the security we have. Therefore, since we're surrounded by a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles, and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and the perfecter of our faith. For the joy set before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured such opposition from sinners, so that you'll not grow weary and lose heart. You have everything you need, Park Hill. Receive it and be built up. <laughs> 